You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's do this. Welcome to Locked On Heat, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Wes Goldberg. I'm here as always with David Ramil. We've got a mailbag in store for you guys today. But first, we wanted to talk about this ESPN report that Dwayne Wade and the Chicago Bulls are expected to come to a buyout agreement at some point within the next few months. That's being written by ESPN's Nick Friedel, who covers uh, the Bulls for the mothership ESPN. But, David, this makes a lot of sense from Chicago's perspective, right? It's something that we really assume for a long time. Dwayne Wade, he's got almost $24 million, $23.8 million left on his contract, one year left on that contract. The team is not the team that Wade originally left the Heat to sign with, right? This, the Bulls are getting younger, Wade is getting older, and they need those minutes. Dwayne Wade, he's good for 30-plus minutes a game in that backcourt. And the Bulls, they've got Zach Levine, Denzel Valentine, uh, Chris Dunn that they just required from the Minnesota Timberwolves in the Jimmy Butler trade. They're a team that has a bunch of young guards, backup, uh, or backcourt players, and they need those minutes that Dwayne Wade right now is occupying. So it makes sense that these teams, that both parties, I mean, would, would try to go separate ways. Now, how much Dwayne Wade is going to leave on the table to agree to a buyout? How motivated is he to leave any money? We'll see. Maybe the Bulls just pay him out in full. I think they should consider that. You know, that $23.8 million at this point is a sunk cost. You need to think about the future. You're paying that money either way. You might as well at least get the benefit of developing your young players and tanking the season just a little bit more because Dwayne Wade, he's not the player he once was, but he's still good enough to win you some games every once in a while. Um, Look, yeah, I I think, you know, I mean, Dwayne Wade had already spoken about the the buyout issue when he first opted in and indicated that, look, he wasn't going to sacrifice any money at, at no point in time. At that point, when he agreed to the to buy in or opt into his contract, I think Jimmy Butler had already been moved, so he he knew well what he was getting into. Right. Probably much to Chicago's front office chagrin. There, they didn't want Wade back, especially at that exorbitant amount, and, and for the kind of player he was. Sure, he's lost a step, but he's still, like you said, good enough to probably win the game, win a game or two here along the way. And now, of course, this comment was embedded into a larger overall theme by Fridell. Um, kind of commenting on how Chicago has moving is moving forward from a, a win now situation, a win now team that they assembled last year, along with Wade, Rajon Rondo, and of course Jimmy Butler, who was an All Star level player. Um, now this is a completely different team, and it's likely keying in on the future. He did include the word tank in there, and I think that's probably the the most mm-hmm. likely scenario there. So. I mean, you and I were discussing about it beforehand. I don't think this is necessarily breaking news or anything like that. It's interesting, to, I guess, to get some kind of confirmation. Uh, as you and I had talked about many months before, that, that Wade was likely to get bought out. You you have speculated specifically that Wade was going to get bought out, I believe, right after the All-Star break. And he signed for the rest of the season with with Cleveland, probably. Yeah, that, that seems like a very likely scenario. So I, I'm, I'm coming. Sure. I, I came. I'm coming off that prediction a little bit though now because with the whole Kyrie Uh-oh. Irving situation, David Griffin's not there obviously anymore uh, as general manager. I don't know that Wade would go to Cleveland even to chase a ring with LeBron. If if Kyrie Irving gets traded between now and whenever Wade gets bought out, and it seems likely still that he will. I don't know if you're Dwayne Wade if you want to go there. I mean, sure, yeah. there's been more playing time, I suppose, depending on what the Cavs get back. But LeBron okay, left so, you in the first place. Do you necessarily mm-hmm. want to go back there? To te- do you kind of want to go chase LeBron slash go chase rings on a team that's that dysfunctional? I'm thinking at this point there might be some other options. Like what? Do you think that he's uh, more likely to attach himself to another contender? Yes. And kind of spurn Braun? Yeah. Really? Yeah, I do. I think look, what if... Okay, uh, Kyrie Irving gets traded to the Suns or whatever, right? Just some team, like some team yep, that will so. be good, better, better with Kyrie, but not a contender, a- right. aka not the San Antonio Spurs or the Miami Heat. Uh, what if Wade gets bought out and goes to San Antonio? He knows that there's a minutes restriction there. Maybe he could pro- sees what Popovich did. Maybe he can prolong his career a little bit more, aka get another contract. Mm. Maybe something like that. Uh, you go there for a year. Maybe you go. I don't think he would go to Golden State. I think that would be maybe 
Um, that would be a, a, a maybe terms for breaking up between him and LeBron if he were to go to Golden <laughs> State. But San Antonio, I see. I, I like, like Houston, I, I think the, Chris Paul, and James Harden. I mean, something like that. I think that I think the Kyrie Irving trade actually makes it more likely that Dwayne would go to Cleveland, to be honest with you. Because although they're probably going to be less strong of a team with Kyrie, or I mean, without Kyrie as as opposed to with Kyrie, I think you could make the case that that it's a team that's probably being run with the ops, with the knowledge that LeBron's leaving in a few months anyway. Um, Ty Lue is what you would call a player's coach, more of an, an easier-going guy, somebody who understands the perspective of a player. And I think the players kind of, run the show um, more than other teams, uh, certainly much more than San Antonio. I don't think Dwayne Wade at this point in his career wants to sacrifice the freedom that he had in Miami under Riley, especially under Spolstra. Um, the kind of freedom he had last year under, you know, uh, what's his name? Uh, I, I'm drawing a blank here. Nick Hoiberg. Yeah, Fred uh, Hoiberg. Fred Hoiberg, yeah, sorry. Doesn't matter. Um, Nick, Fred, Bob, doesn't matter. <laughs> he's, he's fired in two years. <laughs> the, point, the, the point being, I think, like, Dwayne really wants to kind of coast, but I think he can kind of get himself motivated to be playing with a good friend in LeBron mm-hmm. and LeBron and the thrill of another real, you know, real playoff chase with real, uh, or, you know, real potential there to, to do something special. Well, it's not like he left Miami to go to a contender. He went to Miami, he left Miami to go well, home to Chicago. They weren't it was a, a lateral move. It was a lateral move. It was a lateral not, move. A it's not like, like he could have signed with Cleveland, right? Or he could have. He went and signed with Chicago. It's, well, he signed it, with a team that had the most money. Let's be honest. He, exactly. He wanted, exactly. And, and, it, and it seems a lot sweeter knowing that it was in quote unquote his hometown or whatever. But I he, think he signed for the most factor. Money. But yeah, you're right. Like he went because it's the Bulls, uh, or he went because of the money. Um, but he's getting but the money if, now. Maybe that if he gets that opens up the whole whole slew of NBA teams now. Because I actually agree with you. I think that he does want to just kind of. Maybe coast get one more contract. Maybe he doesn't go to San Antonio then because you can't really coast. You've got to. You, you might be needing to get ready for a long playoff run. Maybe yeah, I don't want to. I don't want or something like he just goes or whatever the Brooklyn Nets for a year, something like okay. that. I don't know. Here's a, here's an interesting thing. Where does where does Gabrielle Union film her TV show? Isn't it Atlanta? What is it? LA based? I imagine being Mary Jane. I, I think I thought actually. Recall, I might be completely way off base here. I should look it up. Um, I, I could have sworn this is gripping radio right here. Um, I could have sworn it was Atlanta based or anything, something like that. But either way, I mean, he's not signing with the Hawks, that's for sure, right? I don't think so. I no. Mean, and, and you keep saying, like, another, oh, yeah, it is Atlanta based. Woo, look at me. Um, <laughs> Maybe he does go to the Hawks. Who knows? I don't know. I mean, so look, we're getting way off track. Are we? No, not really, because the obvious suitor there is Miami. Miami's not a contender, but they're a team that can w- maybe get into the playoffs, be competitive enough for him just to kind of, you know, get that competitive edge going. Right. Uh, obviously, he can, you know, maybe he doesn't want to give up what he, the freedom he had in Miami or Chicago. Well, go back to Miami. Uh, is that? Do you think that this is a real? Possibility. I'm not. I'm not going to ask if they should or not because we'll get into that later. But do you think it is an actual, real possibility, or is this just maybe Heat fans hopefully connecting obvious dots? All right, I'll put it this way. I would at this point say that Miami and Cleveland have even odds of signing Dwayne Wade if he gets bought out, and I think that you can give the third best team as far as likely signing him is if Houston acquire, acquires Carmelo Anthony. In that case, then he could be, you know, I think a, a quality backup there to Chris Paul, Carmelo, James Harden, et cetera. They've got a pretty good team, I'd, I'd say. Um, and I could I could see him being interested in playing alongside Chris Paul and, and, and James Harden. I think, they, you know, well, there was beef there at one point, but I don't know if that's necessarily the case anymore. Carmelo, obviously, still a good friend. I think it would be something interesting there for, for Dwayne Wade. And D'Antoni, very relaxed coach, an offensive-minded coach. I think a guy who could give a lot of freedom to Dwayne Wade to do whatever it is that he wants to do. Like he doesn't fit that system well. Obviously, not a guy who's specializes almost exclusively at the mid range at this point doesn't get to the rim with any kind of high efficiency now at this point in his career. Doesn't shoot from the perimeter either. So he's not a good fit with Houston. But I could see if they're interested in signing him, I could see him being interested in going there. I really like the Houston idea. I think that's a dark horse here. 
Um, I think the Heat are in a really interesting position, however, if, if Wade gets bought out. Look, Riley has said a few things the last few summers that he regrets. Most notably, I'm going after the whale comment, which he uh, said at the the last uh, end-of-season press conference that he wished he never even said in the first place um, because it puts so many expectations on him and the organization to land that whale. But I think he's also going to regret, we're going to leave a key under the mat for you. Because if that's the case, and look, we know that Dwayne Wade, it would be fun for him to return to Miami. That would be fun. If nothing else, it would be fun. But he doesn't fit what Miami's doing. You know, the Heat had moved on. Within a year, they've flipped this team to a point where it's Dragic and it's Waiters in the backcourt. They re-signed Waiters to a four-year deal. They've committed money to him. Uh, they found a system that works. They didn't win as many games as they did the last time Wade was playing for the Heat, but they found a system that works, and they are at least expected to be competitive again at this point. And Wade doesn't fit what they do now. And seeing that, and it's obvious, and Riley knows this, and Eric Spolster knows this, Andy Ellisberg, they know, all of them know this, but if Wade were to become available, and Miami still has that $4 million cap exception available to them, and Wade is open to the idea of returning to Miami, that, that comment about Riley saying, we're, the key is under the mat for you, basically, come back whenever you want, get, grab the key, unlock the door, you're back. Uh, really putting it in the ball in Wade's court at that point. If they kind of just say, if Wade looks under that mat and the key's not there anymore, basically, <laughs> and he's knocks on the door, what's up? And then Riley just kind of yells from the other side, I'm, nobody's home. That's going to be bad gonna hear optics, chickens. Right? <laughs> That'll be bad optics for the Heat. Uh, Heat fans who really support some return from Wade, uh, they're not going to be happy about that. I mean, that's going to be that'll look bad on Riley and the Heat organization. And, that would be terrible. That would that might be like the death knell on on Riley's right? tenure with with Miami. But. So if Wade's available, doesn't Riley and the Heat don't they they have to play this some way? And it's not like they unless they use well, that that cap exception between now and then, which is entirely possible. I would by no means rule that out at all. But I mean, I don't think it, I don't think signing him is going to be dependent on the amount of money Miami has available. I and mean, I think really, but the, the thing is, if will, they have the four million dollars, if they have that cap exception that most teams in the NBA don't have because they've already used or don't right. have that level of exception, um, the Heat could still come out and offer more than the minimum, right? Any team could come out and offer two two millionish yeah, dollars at the minimum right. and say, like, Wade, you're already going to make twenty four million regardless, or whatever the buyout agreement is with Chicago, but we'll offer you the minimum. You're obviously playing for that Chicago right. money right now. But if the Heat can double what other teams can offer and don't, and Wade signs with Houston instead? I See, I, I disagree there. I don't think – this isn't the Joe Johnson sweepstakes from a couple seasons ago. This isn't about trying to toss as much money as you possibly can at an on an aging veteran – to help them improve your playoff chances. Or it's not just that. That plays a factor, but I think the reality is that Dwayne Wade ultimately is in control of whatever, wherever destination he lands in. Like, there are probably going to be a handful of teams that really want him at this point in his career. He's no longer the player he once was. He could tend to disrupt things. He's another superstar presence, presence without a superstar level of talent to match at this point. So you kind of you take a chance in adding him. It has to be in a situation that's perfect. That that where he'll be comfortable, where the expectations are somewhat managed. And I think again, Houston's a good fit because there are other veterans there that are commanding, have other commanding presences, and and he won't be that, that much of a disruption. He also gets to play with friends. Cleveland seems ideal, and if Miami's open to adding him, I think it'll be with the understanding that look, he's not going to disrupt too much. To be honest with you. He, I don't think he can go out in the media and say, it's time for me to come home. I want to return back. I, I went away for a couple seasons or a couple years, and now I want to go back to where it all started. If he does that, he's manipulating the media. And that doesn't mm-hmm. seem – I don't think he's at that point in his career or at that point period where he's going to shape the narrative by using the media to, to Unless he really just – unless he – in the next few months, he's like, dude, I don't want to go buy a new house in Houston. I don't want to rent a home and. Santone, I don't want to deal with that. I just want to go back to Miami. I just this was a dumb thing. I shouldn't have left in the first place. I really just want to go back and I erase my mistake. And what if Riley at that point's like, uh, uh-uh. uh, no, 
So I, I, I mean, there is going. We both agree. There's going to be pressure on Riley to at least, if they don't want Wade back for whatever reason, to spin it a certain way. Well, that kind of leads to, I guess, our first question as far as our mailbag is concerned. Uh, this one comes to us from Rachel Rose via Twitter. She asks, with Dwayne Wade now likely to be bought out by the Bulls, are, is there any chance he's willing to take more of a quote-unquote mentoring role off the bench? That's an interesting issue, something that I think you and I have talked about before. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's part of the whole scenario there. If he comes in there, like I said, he, he has to be cognizant of the fact that he's not a disruption. He's no longer the primary focus on this team offensively, defensively, maybe from a PR perspective, and that's about it. You can you can sell some extra jerseys, you can sell a couple extra seats and his return, but this team is a different one than the one he left a year and a half ago. Uh, it plays differently. It does not necessarily, like you said, fit his style of play, mm-hmm. and he has to understand it. I think if he's going to come in there, it'll almost be exclusively for a mentoring role. I, I there's just too much. There are too many players in here that you're looking to develop, particularly in the backcourt. You're paying Tyler Johnson way too much money right. to take a seat to a 36 year old Dwayne Wade. I just I can't see any scenario where Spolstra, Ellisberg, and Riley go. You know what? Let's turn the keys over to our 36 year old former star and forget about the the tens of millions that we've invested in Goran Dragic, Deion Waiters, and Tyler Johnson. Wade made Wade played that mentoring role in a way. To Jimmy Butler. Now, I don't think he did it with guys like Michael Carter-Williams and uh, Tony Snell, who was on the Bulls for a little bit, right, um, before he got traded uh, during the season. And and to the other young guys like Denzel Valen, I don't think he did. I don't know if he did or didn't. I just I didn't see it. But we do know for sure that he did play some sort of mentoring role to Jimmy Butler. And we've heard Jimmy Butler come out on his own uh, in interviews and on podcasts and stuff like that and say that Wade did indeed play a mentoring role. He helped him kind of take that next uh, step, you know, in, in his own development. Jimmy Butler certainly did take a step in his own development last year. Um, I could see Wade. I don't I don't think Wade would come in and be Udonis Haslam mentor or Shane Battier right. mentor or something right. like that. I think he wouldn't be James Jones locker room presence where, like, Haslam's just – he casts a shadow among the entire Heat locker room – Every guy who puts on a Heat jersey is going to be taken under Udonis Haslam's wing. That's not going to be the case for Wade. Wade will take a more specific mentorship approach. He will pick and choose maybe one dude, and we know who that dude's going to be. We know that that dude's going to be Dion Waiters, right? Like, there's no doubt. I think Wade, if I am, I am extremely excited for the idea of Wade coming in. I think if he does return to Miami, and we've talked about this. Him leaving for Chicago, before he even left for Chicago, people wondered, should he be Manu Ginobili? Should he come off the bench? Is it time for Wade, at the twilight of his career, to take a lesser role in the Heat? Is it even possible, the face of 305, to do that? Him leaving for Chicago and coming back opens the door to that possibility, right? It's like a little bit of a reset button uh, that allows both sides to kind of take a step back for a year, reflect, and maybe come back together at this point after a year. And, And Wade maybe more willing to take that sort of role within the organization. And if that's the case, I love the idea of him mentoring Dion Waiters. Dion, young buck, be me. This is your town now. Let me hand it over to you. Now, obviously, he might not be that willing. But, like, get Dion Waiters ready. Get Dion Waiters to that next level, that uh, uh, to a place where that four-year contract seems worth it. That seems really exciting to me. And I think... Judged on and based on what he was able to help Jimmy Butler accomplish last year, now he can't take full ownership of it, but he was he was a help. I I think there's potential there between him and Deion Waiters. I love it. Deion Waiters idolizes him. He always said he wanted to play with Dwayne Wade. I think Wade would appreciate that sort of respect and admiration. I like the idea. You know, I love the idea. I just don't think it's actually going to work. And I mean, I think you and I can agree to disagree here. And despite whatever reports there are about Jimmy Butler and, and, and comments that he's made, I, I don't think that Dwayne Wade is actually capable of being a mentor. I just don't think he's wired that way. You, so you just think Jimmy Butler was just lying every time he no, said No, no, no. Not outright lying. I think it's more about Jimmy Butler looking up to Dwayne Wade more than Dwayne Wade taking Butler and, and, under and his wing. You think so Jimmy Butler wasn't necessarily mentored, but he perceived being mentored? He, well, he hung out with Wade. Wade talked. Wade's going to share 
bits of wisdom that have been accumulated over a 13-year career. Do you think leaders um, could benefit from something like that? At this point, I'm, I'm almost a little leery of that because I don't know if he's going to – waiters seem so much – I don't, I don't want to say necessarily temperamental, but I, let's say – I guess that's the, probably the best word, I guess, a little – not temperamental in a negative way, but kind of flighty maybe or, or, or um, rudderless, let's say. you know. And I don't want him to be steered in the wrong way. And I think uh, – 15-year veteran in Dwayne Wade, who might be a little bit more on the bitter side, again, as you pointed out, in the twilight of his career, isn't necessarily the best influence. You think I Wade's would, bitter? I, I, I think so. Huh. I think so. Yeah. I, I don't know. What? what would he be bitter about? Um, That he's no longer the star that he once was, mm. that he's not perceived as being the star that he once was. I, don't, I think Wade's so over that at this point. I think he's, his legacy See? is so intact. Yeah, I just, it's I don't not, know. Maybe this that's is not just, what I saw. I follow, him, I saw. On, like, I follow I, him on Snapchat. He's got a puppy now. I just, I think Wade's <laughs> just like, I think he's really, I think he's at peace. See, his home life is secure and that's, that's fine. That's what I'm saying. It's just, it's, and that's his complete that's well, his whole, that's it's a complete, is. that's the full picture. That's the complete, I just think like, look, He's married to Gabrielle Union. He's got a puppy that he loves, clearly, very much. Um, I just think he's like, I'm going to go back to Miami, chill out for a couple more years, retire, and hang out with my dog and Gabrielle Union in South Beach. I just, I, I don't know. It's, it's so, I don't want to play psychoanalysis with, with Dwayne Wade, but um, mentorship, maybe some incidental mentorship, I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting, but uh, it's hard to tell. I don't, one thing I know for sure Dwayne Wade won't come and play the Haslam role by just sitting on the bench either. Like, if you bring Wade right. back, it's not like he can play two minutes a game, right? He's he's either starting or he's a super sub, right? He's getting twenty five plus minutes a game, regardless. Ooh, and ooh, that's that seems excessive. I don't know about that much. You don't you think he'd agree to what? Like, what are the least amount of minutes he'd play a game? Yeah, you're, maybe you're right. I guess I'm trying to think 20, of it. I, 25, like somewhere in that realm. I think he's I think taking it would be Josh Richardson's minutes. I mean, he's taking somebody's yeah, I think, minutes. I think he would. I, I, if it happened, and we have so much time for this conversation, we have to move on to other other uh, other topics. But if it happens, the thing that makes the most sense is starting him at the three. I guess just a three guard lineup with with uh, Dragic, Waiters, and Wade. However, that. You know, whoever the two and the three is doesn't is is insignificant, but um, that's the only thing to me that makes sense. I, okay, one one last point. Bench. One last point. Then, where do where do you think the Heat fan base stands right now as far as measuring whether they'd want him back or not? Mostly, they do. You think so? There isn't like a portion there or there's, a significant portion. There's a contingent. Said. There's a contingent on Heat Twitter that's just, and I would say even the most the more educated fans would say it's not important like we've Move having on. him back doesn't make a difference um we have those memories he's it's it, let's just move on here uh but mostly it's Dwayne Wade like I, I just think people if Dwayne Wade is playing for the heat Dwayne Wade is playing for the heat so people are going to buy tickets they're going to go see the games just to go see Dwayne Wade because you know what they haven't been able to do for the last year Go see Dwayne Wade play for the Heat. I yeah. think that they would want that. It just at least, let's not think about X's and O's and whether or not the team spacing is correct or or how many even games that they'll win. It's Dwayne Wade do, in Miami. I can't do that anymore. I can't separate it. I can't. No, it's, me, it's, I just I think most fans would. I think you and I. Let me ask you: Where do you if Dwayne Wade gets gets bought out in January, and or whatever, and is willing to take. The minimum that the, the veterans minimum to sign in right. Miami and Miami at this point the season started a couple months into the season and there are five hundred ish something around there right right are you on board if they sign Wade to the minimum no not at all really yeah I'd I, I I'm, I'm, I'm cut ties I think I don't know I understand how important he is to the franchise I totally understand biggest player ever to play for this, this team I, I with everything that Alonzo Mourning LeBron James Shaquille O'Neal etc have done no player has meant as much to Miami sports I think and 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 the heat and you know specifically as Dwayne Wade but at the same time 
Like, I don't know that it's worth it to see this version of Dwayne Wade. Like, the reason why we love him the way we do is because he was, at one point, one of the only players in the NBA who who fits my definition of a superstar in that he can change the game almost completely on both ends. Like, he was right. able to imprint his personality so completely defensively, offensively, and, and change the tide of a game to, to whatever he wanted it to be. And and he's no longer that player. And, and you know, he's getting worse and worse. He's going to put up way too many shots. He's going to overhandle the ball. He's going to hold on to it for too long. The offense bogs down. I feel like there would, if it were to happen, I agree. But if it were to happen, I just there would have to be a conversation with Spolstra. Yeah. I, there would have to be that you can't do that, and and you and I disagree with the his mentoring Deion Waiters. I think him being in Miami would be very beneficial to Waiters, but there's no way for us to prove that un, until it happens, unless it happens. But I'm I think Houston's the spot. I think that's the dark horse candidate to watch here, yeah. um, at least for half a season. And then maybe Wade comes back next summer or something like that. But I wish it was uh, like football where he could sign like a. A one-day contract and just sign with the team. Oh, Paul Pierce did that. Paul Pierce did that. Yeah, he could do that. But that I hate that. I it's so, it's it's so it's ceremonial. Stupid. It's not even ceremonial. It means nothing. Like retire. It's not even ceremonial in the way that like retiring as a member of the Celtics means anything. Like it's not like you your your Hall of Fame bust can't be you in a Celtics jersey or whatever. Like it's not like you can't have Celtics under if you don't retire as a Celtic after signing a contract for a dollar, like it, it means zero things at all. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I it would be wait, ideal for him for to play one more season. game or something like that. I won't you know, wait for one season. Well, a whole season. I won for a whole season. I just look, I know it's not the best, I know it's not in the best interest of wins and losses, but I want it. I just, I want that. <laughs> I, I would love for him to do it at that reduced role with the explicitly stated, Sorry. I think it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen. Um, Rachel Rose, thank you for the question. She asked it on Twitter. Uh, she tweeted us at LockedOnHeat, and she also used the hashtag AskLOHeat. The hashtag AskLOHeat. We're trying to get that going. So instead, if you don't want to open up your whole email thing and, and do that, I mean, you're more than welcome to. Email us questions at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com, but you can also use that hashtag Ask LO Heat. You're listening to Locked On Heat. Locked On Heat still has some inventory for sponsorships, Left for the upcoming heat season. Wade or no Wade? This is a great, affordable way to connect and engage with heat fans. Traditional advertising doesn't work the way it used to. If you've tried it, you know this. Podcast listeners are 65% more likely to connect with sponsors than from any other form of media. If you're interested or just want more information, no strings attached, email us directly at lockdownheat at gmail.com. Our rates are reasonable. They are based on listens. You could have your company right here on Locked On Heat. So what are you waiting for? Okay, moving on to our next question here from Chris Leach, frequent mailbagger. Could the Heat have four guys... I love this question. Could the Heat have four guys in the starting lineup averaging 15 points a night with Goran Dragic, Deion Waiters, James Johnson, and Hassan Whiteside? David, I want to preface this by saying that Deion Waiters might average 30 a night. So does that count as two players, right? 15 times two? Yes, it should count. Okay. <laughs> um, now, I, I'm kind of curious. I, I want to hear your side of this first because okay, I've so, got a, a pretty clear opinion about it. I love the question because it's just an interesting thing to think about. Um, sure. You think about the 60-win Hawks from a few years ago, and they basically had this. Right. Um, they didn't have one main score. If they're... If, if, Dragic, Waiters, James Johnson, and Whiteside all average 15 points a game. I think the offense would be clicking. That that means there's that's that's a good signifier of a team with great ball movement. They're probably playing pretty quickly, right? If everybody, if four guys are going to average 15 points a night, they've got to get a lot of possessions into a ball game. Um, I love the idea of this. If we're if we're judging success by this, which I'm not sure Chris is by this question, I think it is just a fun kind of thing to think about, little thought exercise. Right. But I don't want fans to judge success by this either. Because for me, if one of these guys is not going to score 15 a night, it's going to be James Johnson, and it's going to be for the right reasons. Because he might score 12 or 13 a night, but have more assists or more rebounds or something like that, where other guys are getting the ball. Uh, Dragic and Waiters are scoring more than 15 a night. I think um, that that 15-point threshold is is a good one. I wouldn't expect it, but it would be kind of... 
getting in that range, I think, is entirely possible. If James Johnson is is scoring 12 or 13 points a night with six or seven assists a night, he's responsible for almost 20 points a game at that point. And I think that's right in that zone that we're talking about here. Absolutely. I, I'm uh, 100% on agreement with that. Look, I mean, top five scores from the team last year, we had Goran at 20.3, Hassan at 17 even, Deion Waiters in, a, in an injury-marred season at 15.8, Tyler at 13.7, and oh. James Johnson at 12.8. Tyler Johnson's not even mentioning that he can score 15 points a game. Yeah, yeah. And I think he's more likely to be that fourth player if anybody is because Ooh. I think his role – is more geared towards being a scoring-based one. I think right. at this point we've seen James Johnson, and he's most effective occasionally creating his own shot, but best creating shots for others, the mm-hmm. way he's able to put the ball down at the point center position, if that's what you want to call it. you know, He initiates offense. He runs the fast break. Tyler was more reduced to a catch-and-shoot guy because I don't think he's as good a ball handler as James Johnson is, to be quite honest with you. He doesn't, as far as when it comes to initiating the offense, maybe more uh, effective as an end-to-end runner with a ball in his hands, but I think James Johnson is more effective as a playmaker. He just, he has a, a knack for it that I don't know that Tyler or even uh, Josh Richardson have. Um, and mm-hmm. with the addition of Justice Winslow, who's going to be taking up a number of minutes here, with Kelly Olenek certainly playing big off the bench. Look, you under, I think... Waiters, Whiteside, and Dragic, and maybe not even Whiteside. I think Dragic and Waiters will certainly reach that 15-point plateau. Whiteside, again, as we've talked about a number of times, most effective in that tertiary role. So maybe his scoring takes a little bit of a, a drop. And that's fine because within the context of the, the, the second-half offense from last year, it was where he was most effective. He needs to be more efficient, not I think, put up bigger numbers. I, I think Whiteside's going to put up bigger numbers by being more efficient. That would be excellent. That just, just he's going to clean up. He's going to clean so. up misses by Waiters and Dragic at the rim. Uh, the team is going to take even more threes than last season, right? I think we can assume that just based on they took more threes in the second half than they did in the first half. They're going to stick to that system of taking more three pointers. So I think that's a pretty well, there you safe go. But, bet. But if that's the case, then he's going to get less touches. Like if he's going to be just mostly reduced to the cleanup role, the DeAndre Jordan role then he's not going to get as many singular is, touches. They're not going to clear out space What is DeAndre Jordan average a season? What are you, oh, less than, right less than 15 points per game. But again, that's really? Chris Paul. Yeah, 12.7 last year. Yeah. Um, so, uh. I could see him developing more into that, just hovering around the 15-point mark. Yeah. So I like uh, the Tyler Johnson idea, too. And James Johnson last year, 12.6 points a game, 3.8 assists. I think he's going to be right around there this yeah. year. I think that's a good 13-4. and four. That sounds about. That yeah, sounds and about it wasn't right. like you know you've talked about this on a number of occasions. He averaged twenty seven point four minutes per game. That'll probably get a little bit of an uptick there, mm-hmm. but not a significant amount, just because again, Miami's a little bit of a deeper team. Uh, assuming that Josh Richardson is healthy, assuming Justice Winslow is healthy, the addition of Kelly Olynyk, you've got players there that are going to be competing for minutes, uh, and there's not going to be much of a. A, a, a kind of rotation at power forward as there was last year where you were looking for anybody to step up until James Johnson finally held the position down as effectively as possible. But, I mean, look, even guys like O'Carroll White, uh, you know, Bam Adebayo, you want to play them occasionally, see what they have to offer. Rodney Magruder, et cetera. I mean, you've got guys who were contributors last season or in the case of Adebayo is looking to become a contributor and, and, and you want to see what he has available you can't just stash them on the bench. They're going to need minutes in order for them to prove themselves. Think, so, what if we what if we aim for five or five or six guys averaging ten points a game? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's more realistic. Well, you know, six, no, like ten points per game. That might be a little too low because even last year we had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight players average ten or more. Even oh, Josh really? averaged ten point two. Yeah. Um, oh. So, I, I mean, maybe 12. maybe not many averaging at least. 12 or 13 points okay. for you. All right. Uh, Chris Leach got another question in there. Good. Um, assuming Justice Winslow starts and plays well enough to not be a liability on offense, do you think that the Heat will be the best defensive team in the East? I see Justice Winslow, James Johnson, Waiters, and Whiteside in a starting lineup, and I can easily see how they could bully most teams with their physicality, which is something a lot of teams don't have as much these days. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Like I pulled up the top 10 teams from last year in defensive rating in the Eastern Conference. Atlanta was number one. They had uh, they averaged 
uh, giving up 103.1 points per 100 possessions last season. Miami was the second-best defensive team in the East, um, giving up an average of 104.1 points per 100 possessions. So one more point than the first-place Hawks, right, Um, in that respect. And then that's followed up by Chicago at number three. Toronto had the fourth. Detroit was fifth. Boston was sixth. Charlotte was seventh. Indiana was eighth. Philadelphia ninth. Milwaukee tenth. Those that's the top ten teams in the East um, in defensive rating last season uh, for the whole season. Now Atlanta they lost Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard's not yeah. the guy he once was, but he was solid Effective. for them defensively. Right. Um, they're not going to be as good. They're just in general, right? Atlanta might be one of the worst teams in the Eastern Conference this year. I can't see them. I can't see one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference having one of the best defenses in the Eastern Conference. Luke Babbitt. Luke Babbitt's going to make the difference. Irsan Ilyasova. I mean, defensive stoppers, basically. So they're not They're not going to be as good. Uh, we'll get to Miami. Chicago's not going to be as good. They lost Jimmy Butler. They're going to be awful. They're, they might be one of the worst teams defensively in the, in the, the conference. Absolutely. Um, Toronto. They'll probably be about the same. They lose Carroll, who's that hurts defensively, but he didn't play a whole lot. Uh, they lose P.J. Tucker, but they, they only had him for half a season. They get Serge Ibaka for a full season. People say he's a good defender. I'm not sure he is. Um, C.J. Miles. C.J. Miles they get, which is good. Uh, O.J. Anunoby, if he uh, is available, Healthy. he'll help yeah. them. Um, so I think Toronto, they, they right around there, right? They gave up 104.9 points per 100 possessions. I think that's about right what we should expect this year. Um, Detroit, they added Avery Bradley. I think they're going to get better. Um, Boston, I think, gets better despite losing Avery Bradley because they got Gordon Hayward, who's a nice long defender for them. You add a guy like Jason Tatum, who might be good. He's not going to be a good defender, but maybe at the four spot under Brad Stevens, maybe he's good. Uh, They also add Marcus Morris in that Avery Bradley trade. He's going to be that, I think, that stretch four, switchy, power forward defender that they have been missing. Um, I think they actually get better defensively. And then... Boston does? Boston does. Do you disagree? I I, I don't know Hayward's that Morris is good. a, a Hayward's so good defensively. I mean, he is underratedly add, so. Yeah. You add Hayward and Morris. I mean, Avery Bradley is fantastic, but he's basically young Tony Allen, right? Like he can he'll lock down your opposing guards, but he's not right. able to switch onto other fours, right? He's not that. He's six two. I think you add Hayward, who guarded Blake Griffin at times in the playoffs last year. You add and you add Marcus Morris, who. Um, yeah, I don't think he's a good defender. Statistically, he measures out as one of the best defenders in the league against LeBron James. <laughs> well, there you go. I guess that counts for something. But. So I think he's and they. What did they play at the four last year? Uh, Amir Johnson. Jeez, like no and Al, Al Horford, Horford right? and they had Amir Johnson, and Al Horford. Now I guess Al Horford plays center, and, and Marcus Morris is going to play power forward for you. I think they're better there. Um, if anything, they're right about the same, but I think they're going to be better. Charlotte's going to be better just because last season was the season from hell from them. They um, get Dwight Howard there, too. They add Dwight Howard. They just, they were so bad last year. They were so now, now, how much of Miami's defensive rating is the fact that you know they just played at a very slow pace for most of the year? Well, they did have a better defensive rating in the first year than they did the second half of the year. So, partly? Yeah. I mean... I didn't even, I mean, even get to my... Did, we, okay. That's what, the did you have, oh, Indiana. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Indiana, yeah, yeah, they yeah, lose Paul is. George. Philadelphia, they're healthy. They have a more talented backcourt. Milwaukee, I think, is a team. They gave up 106.4 points per 100 possessions. I think they can make a major leap if they tighten up that defense a little bit more. They're young, but they're, they're, they have so much talent defensively between. They, yeah, they were Giannis out. They, 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 they had, uh, yeah, they didn't have Middleton for most of the year. So. They, they add Middleton, um, a healthy Middleton. I think they're going to. They, they're, if they can just get. If they can fill the leaks of that defense, they could be they can leap up to maybe the best team defensively in the East. They have the potential. So, and then Miami, look, they get Justice Winslow back. They add Olenek over Luke Babbitt. Olenek's not a standout defender, but he's better than Luke Babbitt. Um, shouts out to Luke Babbitt. Still love you. Uh, but and then you know, healthy Deion Waiters, healthy Josh Richardson, presumably. Miami's going to be up there. I think wondering if they could be the bet the top defensive team in the East is is legitimate, right? They definitely they're as good as a bet as anybody else on this on this list, right? Yes. I mean, my my issue is overall like measuring defensive efficiency or whatever. Is it just you know, your rating defensive rating tells one side of the story. Is it about field goal percentage? I okay. mean, Miami controls field goal percentage from the perimeter particularly well. And, and I kind of have a question about I mean, I, I love Chris's questions 
almost all the time, and I still even appreciate this one, but is Miami really that imposing physically? Are they a team that can quote-unquote bully teams around with their physicality? I just don't see it. I think I think Whiteside's not a particularly physical center, to be honest with you. He should be more physical. We know, we've talked about this on occasion, that you know, if Udonis Haslam's brain was transplanted into Whiteside, that would be a, a tremendously physical player. I Whiteside think that kind the of shoes physicality. That's not physicality, though. You're right. That's not okay I, I, to me, anyway. And I don't, I don't, I don't know, know that what it, physicality is in today's NBA. I don't want a physical defense point. in today's NBA. I want a switchy so we defense. Had that, <laughs> we had that in the in the '90s with the Heat, and that didn't really work out too well. So right. <laughs> so. Um, but as far as if they could be the best defensive, I think they could, right? I don't, I, that was the question, right? <laughs> I, I agree. I mean, okay. I think they'll probably keep, they'll keep points down. I mean, Orlando might have a good chance of doing that too. I think, I think Vogel's a good coach. Peyton's a good defensive point guard. Yeah, and except their Yombo centers there. are not good. Biombo is a good defensive center. He's okay. He's not as good as he got paid to be. You know, Vucevic isn't. As porous as you might think, but he's I well I think he's very porous. So even if he's a little <laughs> bit porous, that's still not good. <laughs> All, right. All right, but Aaron go. Gordon at the four though. I mean that's going to change yeah. everything there. They're going to win 40, 50 games now. Um, I know you're joking. Ale- I know you're a big fan of Aaron Gordon, but All right, uh, Alexander Vixen asks. I really enjoyed your discussion on the last Mailbag podcast about the projected starting lineup for the season. Thanks. Nice. Uh, David briefly brought up the potential of starting Josh at the three and Winslow at the four. You did? I, yes, you did. I don't. Maybe we didn't explore that enough. I strongly think that this could be the best approach to the to the season. Olenek cannot play the four next to Whiteside, and starting James Johnson at the four with Winslow at the three will make their respective ball handling skills redundant. Okay, yes. I could see that. Starting, I think you said that starting Winslow next to Josh Richardson should boost their confidence, and it gives Winslow. Uh, three capable three-point shooters to space the floor for him on offense. With the starting lineup, we still get the Johnson and Johnson combo off the bench. It puts Olenek at a backup center role where he's best utilized. Maybe the newly signed contract, quote-unquote, forces Miami to start Olenek or James Johnson at the four. However, the Caps' monetary distribution across the roster has not exactly impacted Spo's rotational moves before. Curious to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, so long question, but really well thought out. I thought um, he uh, he makes us both look much more smart than I would have ever have assumed. But yeah, it's absolutely, the only thing we can ask for from our listeners. <laughs> yeah, Alexander, you did an excellent job breaking down thoughts that uh, now sound much more intelligent than I would have thought. <laughs> um, no, you you did bring up, and you both and Alana, if I recall correctly, mentioned the confidence boost of starting Jay Rich. Right, and and I do. See the potential of having him start at the three there, uh, ostensibly next to Justice Winslow, because I think you want Winslow's playmaking ability in a starting lineup, and you want a more, I think, effective playmaker in James Johnson coming off the bench. Uh, and he's right about the Olenek Whiteside combo, one that we don't anticipate being a fully functional one. Look, Olenek can play the four. I think we saw in his best lineups last year with Boston that he was more effective as a center coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, spaces the floor. He has switchability, but he's still a little bigger than I think most fours, and I think yeah. he would be a mismatch there defensively. I think yeah, he could yeah, be, be a good back. change of pace backup center as opposed to last year yes. we had Willie Reed, who was it's much of the fine. same as Whiteside, and that was yes. they Spolster used that to their advantage. But I think having a nice change of pace backup center would be. Uh, more valuable even so yeah now alexander's point about the contracts he's right i i mean i can't recall a time i'm trying to think if, if spolster has ever said this guy's getting paid this a, has always a, been my argument the whole this is the tyler johnson argument people say you've got to start tyler johnson point at some point you can't pay because he's that making much that much money and i always said you're paying him that much money anyway anyway yeah. and you're you're not it's not like you're not playing him he's still playing 20 plus minutes a game in the way that he's it's not like he would be better in the starting lineup. They've experimented with him as a starter. He is better as a six-man. He has come out and said he prefers to be a six-man because it fits his game better. So yeah. why would you start somebody if that person is going to play worse just because and, and then not live up to that contract? It makes no sense to me. I think you just you pay the guys what it takes to get them if you want them, and then you just play them in their best roles at that point. Yeah. It shouldn't matter what they're making. 
That's a great point. I mean, look, he's absolutely right. Look, he was only getting paid $5 million, $6 million last year. He's only getting paid that much now. Next year, when he's making $19 million, if he's still on the roster, do you all of a sudden double his his, his minutes total? You say, no, no, you got to earn every one of those minutes. I don't think this is right. – like, this isn't the same case now. I think even, even teams drafting high picks – realize that it's okay to kind of stash a player mm-hmm. and develop them the right way rather than thrusting them out there, exposing their weaknesses and potentially jeopardizing I'm, what could be a long, great career. I'm glad you're bringing that up because I want to talk about Winslow. I, Josh Richardson starting at the three is entirely possible, just as Winslow starting at small forward is entirely possible. But I do agree uh, that Winslow and J- James Johnson in the starting lineup would be too redundant and somebody's getting kind of pushed aside and not being used the right way. Uh, either James Johnson or Winslow in that situation would be forced to be a spot-up shooter, which is not what either of them specialize in. Jo- Johnson right. is a better three-point shooter than Winslow, but he's not good by any measure. Like, he needs to be, you know, and so whatever. He had a career uh, year, which we don't know if it's sustainable right. this, this year. So. But my my thing with Winslow is this, is this Heat team is the Heat team for the next four years, uh, barring major trades, right? This is This is the team. And if this team is going to find a superstar, it's going to become from it's going to come from internal development, okay. and that comes from guys like Justice Winslow, Josh Richardson, Dion Waiters, uh, Bam Adebayo, all these guys. Kelly Olynyk. I mean, he might not be a super. He's not going to be a superstar, but um, I want to find the best role for Winslow, and maybe starting him and Josh Richardson is better for both of their confidence levels. And that's going to be up to Eric Spolstra and Pat Riley to figure out. Like they're going to have to figure out where where is the best place to put Winslow for his own development's sake. I think Winslow coming off the bench is the best situation for his development. Oh. You, you let him look. I he started he started plenty games already in his career. There is no doubt that this team is invested in him. It's not like it's Justice Winslow and several other lottery picks, right? It's Justice Winslow that and. And bam, basically. But he's Winslow is the only top ten pick on this team right now that the Heat selected. Uh, he is for now. He is set as one of the future pieces of this Heat team. I don't think he has to worry about that. You bring him off the bench, let him play the James Johnson role. Let him reprise that role. James Johnson will be your starting forward, power forward. Josh Richardson, whatever, is your starting three. I think that's a good move. Let Winslow take that blueprint James Johnson laid down. And I get the Johnson-Johnson combo off the bench is really cool because they have the same last name. The Johnson and (laughs) Winslow combo off the bench could be just as good. (laughs) It doesn't sound as awesome, but we'll we'll figure out a nickname. We don't have to do that right now, but we'll figure it out. And and you let Winslow develop in that role. I just just considered something. I I was thinking... You're losing a little bit of spot-up shooting or, or perimeter shooting if you insert James Johnson into the starting lineup and, and put John, uh, you know, Winslow as a backup. But then you'll have Olenek coming off the bench. He's the guy who's going to fill that role as a, exactly. as a shooter from the perimeter. And look, Winslow is a starting four. Yeah, in the starting lineup with that with that group that puts three legit three-point shooters on the floor, that's not enough in today's NBA. You need four. If you've got two non-shooters, that's look that kills an offense. And Whiteside and Winslow are non-shooters, so you bring. I, you're exactly right. You bring. You pair Winslow with Olenek, and and other shooters. Wayne Ellington, Tyler yeah. Johnson. I mean, yeah. now we're talking about a spaced-out offense for Winslow to basically play that James Johnson reprise role. Oh God, I, I love it. It's it makes all the sense in the world. This is what the Heat wanted from Justice Winslow. I don't think that their intent has changed. It's still Winslow's skill set to be a point forward. Let him just fill that in. James Johnson has earned the promotion. Give him to him. Let Winslow backfill that backup role. It just makes all the sense in the world. <sighs> Sorry, Alex. It <laughs> seems like it, we've changed your mind completely. As much as we appreciate your question, I still think that that's a good point then. I mean, it, it, I do like it. Look, I'll, I'll have to give it some more thought, but you're right. I mean, surrounding Winslow with those shooters off the bench, he just puts the ball down. He's faster. He's a good creator. I think it's a, a great opportunity for him to boost that confidence in another way by being the primary playmaker off the bench. Look, I don't I mean, I, yeah, you're right. And and like I don't want to toot my own horn here, but I'm going to. Toot. I'm I'm, pr- I'm I'm tooting away. I'm gonna. I, I've been pretty good at figuring out what the best lineups are the last few years. Um, 
that when when LeBron left and the Heat continued to start Chris Bosh at center, even though that's where he was best utilized, it made it looked like this team was not playing fast enough to take advantage of that. It looked like this team needed to start Birdman at center and put Chris Bosh at power forward. That's what they did. They were better for it. They were still not great, but they were better for it. Uh, we accurately predicted the 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 best starting lineups, the best lineups and rotations last year. Uh, when everybody was healthy, it just made more sense to have Luke Babbitt as a starter, bring James Johnson off the bench, um, Tyler Johnson off the bench when everybody thought he'd be a starter uh, because of the contract he had just signed. We've got a good track record on Locked on Heat. So, um, speaking of Locked on Heat and our track record, we are asking our listeners to help us out with the show. A new season means we need a new intro song and wanted to give the musicians or wannabe musicians out there a chance to have their work featured on the show. You can email your submissions to LockedOnHeat at gmail.com. We'll be taking submissions for the entire month of August, and then after the month, we'll choose one to be our new jingle for the season. And then, of course, we will give the artist who makes that jingle a shout-out on each episode. There are no rules, so you can be as creative as you want. Again, you can send submissions to LockedOnHeat at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing your work. We've already heard some of your work, and some of them are really, really good. I, we've been listening to them, and we've honestly been really impressed with with some of these, a lot of these submissions, right? Absolutely, yeah. I, I mean, I didn't realize that our listeners were so talented, to be quite honest with you, but, you know, I think this crowdsourcing idea is great now. I, I'm totally encouraged by it, and I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing a few more, so please. Let's work for us. Well, <laughs> I love the crowdsourcing. Can we just crowdsource the whole podcast? No, no, no. We love talking about the heat, but we this we you know mailbags are kind of a, a crowdsourcing event. If you really That's look true. at it from you, that perspective, we really just we don't do any work on this show. We just <laughs> they ask the questions and we kind of fill in the answers as best we can. But you know what? I, I love the fact that people are getting submitting contributions already. You know, we're open to all, not just listeners, friends, friends of friends, whomever. If you know somebody who recorded yeah. a song for their third grade play, we want to hear from if them. You need, so. If you have a buddy that's trying to get their band off the ground and they want to give their song to as a, a promotional whatever, shout yes. out, send it over. Um, yeah, death, death core smash up of like Miami oh Heat podcast. That would be great. Yeah, we'll give you just like some great screamo music or something. That'd be awesome. Uh, this question comes from Justin Evans. Hey guys, what do you think about a possible lineup of Dion? More lineup questions. Dion Waiters, Josh Richardson, Justice Winslow, James Johnson, and Bam Adebayo. I think this lineup is very athletic. You could switch almost everything on de- defense. You have three playmakers in Winslow, Waiters, and Johnson. Dion, Richardson, and JJ provide decent floor spacing, and Winslow, JJ, and Bam are all good rebounders at their position. Do you guys agree or disagree? And what are the possible flaws of this lineup? Way to open that up, Justin. Um, who also adds in parentheses, I'm assuming everything we've heard of BAM so far will come true, which I guess is the only appropriate way to approach this. Uh, So not the starting lineup, but just a lineup that at some point in the game happens. Dion Waiters, Josh Richardson, Justice Winslow, James Johnson, and BAM. What do you think about this? Defensively, it sounds promising, but my biggest concern there is Adebayo. I think... He has potential defensively. I think we saw in summer league that he certainly can block shots. He's athletic enough. He's uh, mobile enough to switch. You know, he can guard positions one through five. I think eventually he'll get there. I mean, we're talking about summer league, and I don't know that that necessarily he's going to translate his first year there. And I don't want him to go out there and become victimized. Now, part of what makes Miami's defense from the starting unit so effective is the fact that. Whiteside's role is so specialized. Everybody's being funneled off the perimeter, you know, move towards mm-hmm. Whiteside where he can block their shots or impact them in the mid range. You know, either way, it works very, very well. I don't know that that lineup would work as well without a bio at the center position. So I wonder if you'd have to switch defensive schematics to incorporate out of bios athleticism and, and, and reduced rim protection. You know what I'm saying? Would Is that maybe more, why? Would that's why I like the idea of having James Johnson next to him um, because he could take some of those rim protecting responsibilities. Veteran guy that can line up next to him, show him the ropes a little bit in, in certain situations. Uh, I'm with you. Bam is a concern to me just as a rookie, right? You just He's raw. He's very raw. And... That's probably why this team felt comfortable bringing back, bringing in a guy like Kelly Olynyk, who's going to take a lot of Bam's minutes. Um, right. I think I, that lineup I, might be more effective with Olynyk than Adebayo. To be honest with you. 
Yeah. Yeah, I don't think Olenek can switch potentially like Bam, but I think he'll be better defensively than Bam the first year. Uh, but I want to see... Let's let's think about this then. Because Adebayo is the... He is the central focus of this question. What kind of lineup would you want to see Bam involved in? Because my other problem with this is that you've got Dion, you've got Richardson. I don't really see somebody... Like, James Johnson's the one adult in that room. You know what I mean? <laughs> And yep. I, I'd like to see maybe Goran Dragic on the floor. I mean, per, I think Goran Dragic, James Johnson. Uh, Josh, I would switch. Yeah. I would switch Richardson for Ellington. Actually, ooh, I like that. So if you do a lineup of Dragic, Ellington, James Johnson, Bam, and whatever fifth player. I mean, at least you 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 got Goran, Ellington, and James Johnson, three adults to kind of show Bam the ropes. I think that would work. Haslam. James Johnson plays a little three for you, maybe? I mean, if you've got Bam in the game, the, the, the game's probably decided at that point. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, it's maybe. not You're not playing him major, like, factor minutes, I don't think. You know, he's not He's not much shorter, although he's much slow. Well, he's slightly slower than O'Carl White. And White was inserted at mostly a 3-4 last year, wasn't he? I think he played yeah, alongside. I, just, I don't know if... Maybe you could play Bam at the four. I just don't know who you'd play him next to. Olinick or Johnson at center. I think I'm yeah, or Johnson at center. Carl, which is, yeah, yeah. Didn't O'Carl come in there with James Johnson when he was running the point center? Yeah, or I mean, again, yeah. If Haslam's in the game, then you're probably not going to expect him much, and you take those numbers with the proverbial grain of salt. But yeah. uh, I don't know. I, I'd like to see Bam take that step. I just don't think it's likely to happen. I think he's going to be learning the ropes the hard way. At Sioux Falls and, and gaining more experience. That that know. said, this this lineup maybe two three years down the road, all these guys are still going to be under contract as long as they resign uh, Richardson and Winslow. This yeah. lineup in a couple of years could be devastatingly good defensively. I mean, you look Absolutely. at where the the Milwaukee Bucks are, who we talked talk about earlier. They're young, but they've got so much potential. And as long and as soon as they fix the leaks in that defense, they're going to be dangerous. Uh, next question comes from our last question too, from Billy Coon. I've been looking forward to this one. After seeing the new Nike jerseys, I'm kind of disappointed that they are the same jerseys with a Nike patch instead of an Adidas one. I mean, they aren't any different than they have been in the past nine years, which is fine, but I would have at least liked to see the red jersey as the primary away one. Your thoughts? We've talked about this before. I mean, I, to be honest with you, I, I'm kind of largely disappointed in the whole Nike relaunch. Um, hmm. I, I, think, I think everybody... You know, it, it for me anyway, and perhaps I'm wrong, it kind of came on the heels, and I forget his name now, and I apologize for that, but there was that one designer who took every league, every team in the league and, and, and pro, you know, produced five unique versions of, of their uniforms, and they were great. Those were really, I think, really, really cool. They were innovative. I've seen a lot of the Nike ones, and to be honest with you, I'm not impressed. I mean, the Minnesota ones, some people like them. I think most people despise them. Um, I think the Heat ones are kind of bland, and, and you didn't really take many chances there. Uh, I, I've seen some that kind of look exactly or very, you know, my, very minute differences from last year. And, and I think that's Billy's point as well, is that there's just it's not much of a difference, you know, and, and that's kind of disappointing. You'd want something flashy that stands out and and this isn't that so i i think I'd, i would have loved to have seen something different so number one they do look a little different to me i'm not i've looked at them for a oh, long i haven't time. seen them what i mean we're we talking about like from nba 2k is that what it, what it is no so bam had his rookie photo shoot oh the panini rookie photo shoot thing <laughs> i didn't see one with a panini what no not not panini like the <laughs> he was eating a panini not the sandwich. What a lucky the guy. Italian, the Italian basketball card. Pretty. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, maybe that one. I don't know. He was like jumping in the sky with a ball. I don't know. So he was wearing the new Nike jersey. <laughs> so. Um, it's Emeril Lagasse out there. That's why he's saying bam all the time now. So, so, I, I digress. Uh, that would be funny, though. In the, if, in the arenas when he did stuff, if they just had. Emeril Agassi putting like just throwing garlic in Big Z or something, bam! Like on the, that'd be great. Um, so uh, I lost my train of thought completely. Oh no, something looks different in the jersey. I can't figure it out. I think it might be something with the collar. 
You know, it's the difference between how Adidas shaped, like literally the shape of their jerseys and the fit of their jerseys versus how Nike produces theirs. And like it has, the two have to be different. Uh, something looks different. They look a little bit cleaner. Um, I'm not sure exactly what it is, but something looks different. That said, they're the same, right? Like other, other than just the shape and the make of the jersey, like the manufacturing part of the jersey, they are exactly the same. My thing is, do I want to see something different? Yes. However, I'd rather them, this is the first year of the part, the new Nike partnership. Take your time, get me a full year, step back and evaluate, get the Nike guys in American Airlines Arena, let them experience South Beach, let them figure it out. I don't know how, I don't know what the process is. I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm just talking out of my, you know what, right now. But look, I'd, ra- I'd rather them take your time, take their time and get it right than just change for the sake of change. And that's where I'm getting at, is if you're going to change a jersey after almost 10 years, you better make sure it's better than the last one, right? Okay, I don't, I don't know that you're ever going to make everybody happy. Having said that, this designer, and you know who I'm talking about. You gotta, as long as I like it better than the last one. <laughs> I mean, this guy, this guy isn't a professional, and to me, he did a better job than a multi-billion dollar corporation that's just focused on changing the jerseys. And they did absolutely nothing. Like, they made Phoenix letters. They weren't focused on till... just changing the jerseys. They were focusing on getting their logo on the jerseys. Okay. All right. So he did. I mean, that's fine. They got their logo somewhere on these jerseys. I still think it's ridiculous. Like, they tilted the Phoenix Suns letters at, like, a 15-degree angle. It's like, whoa, that's innovative. No, that's garbage. I mean, they took the Denver Nuggets, which I think had been – I mean, people loved that that rainbow colored steel landscape. I'm sorry. I blame the Nuggets for this. And and, and he turned them into the Pacers blah yeah. looking jerseys. I mean, he took a good jersey and made it worse. Or Nike took a good jersey and made it worse. You know, the fact that he they made a lateral movement with the Heat jerseys and Phoenix jerseys and San Antonio's like they put San Antonio's jerseys side by side to the last year's. It's black and white. It's the same thing. I don't understand the silver and black. (laughs) It's It's, ridiculous. I don't. I don't know. I know that you're trying to keep to the color scheme. Maybe you don't want to be too innovative. But man, Nike, Nike dropped the ball. I got to be honest with you. I don't know. I think clean jerseys are in. Miami already happened to have a very clean jersey. I'm look. I would have. I already said on the show several times. The Reds should be their primary color jerseys. It should yeah. not be the blacks. It, you should go throwback for the black jerseys. Give me like the black jersey with the white lettering with the uh, the red like drop shadow thingy, uh, whatever right. it's called. Um, give me that. That should be the throwback. Uh, and they should wear them often. Like We should see more throwbacks out of Miami because their throwback jerseys are awesome. We're, I presume we're not getting that bullcrap black, black tux, whatever, black tie, oh, crappy, lousy... Horrible jerseys. Huh. Get rid of the camo things. Um, yeah, that, that's the one I hate the most. The, cam- the black tie ones were so bad. They were so bad. They were so bad. I am so hey. glad they are gone. I hope you they are gone. Um, I, I am open to some creativity with the alternates. Maybe that's where... Look, they keep the traditional jerseys for the home and away, whatever they call them, the icon and the association, whatever we need to call them. Yeah. Um, maybe let's get creative with the alternates. So one one will be the red. There's so there's that fourth alternate. I've already I've already asked for the Floridians. I know I'm not going to get it. Yep. Uh, but let's let's make something new. Let's get something crazy that's not the black tie. <laughs> I, I, I love the black tie ones. I don't know. What do you really? Cool. Are you just saying really that? Do. You're just saying no. That. I, I no. I really like them. I think they're cool. I don't know what your problem with them is. What was the one last year too with the the stripe on the one side? Those were awful. I'm looking. I I, I mean, I'm trying to think. I was wondering if I would, thought they were something different than the ones that you thought they were. But what is it that you don't like about the blacks, the black tie ones? And I know our listeners again are riveted at this point by our conversation on jerseys that no longer exist. <laughs> It's it got like that, some white piping that, on the side. Yeah, there. the white piping on the side. I didn't like. It's like pointy, but it it comes into it comes into the torso, right? And so when you're looking at it head on, I get it. It's got like the slimming effect. But you don't watch a basketball game looking at the players head on. You watch a basketball game looking at the players from the side. So from the side, it would actually make them look fatter. It would look make them look heavier, bulkier. I see. And I, 
it was bad. It was a bad look. It didn't work. It was stupid. It like it just it didn't. I, why would you be wearing a tie at a basketball playing basketball? Like, why do you have a black what tie? About, like, why are we being so formal about this? I don't. About you, the, you don't wear the sleeves. All black ones. What about the all black ones from the big three? I era? hate the all black ones and the all white ones. The white out jerseys and the black out jerseys were awful. You had black on black. Where's the creativity? Oh, see. The I white on white was even worse. It was so maybe, bad. Maybe I'm just wrong here then, because I mean I think those were pretty sharp. You just want the Floridians all the time, don't you? I'd be down for just change the name to the Floridians. Let's <laughs> <laughs> go double down. Really lean right. into it. Um, all right. Well, <laughs> that's all we have for today. Whether you're listening on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast, thank you for listening. You can send mailbag questions, get information about advertising on the show by sending an email to lockedoneat at gmail.com. You can also send us questions on Twitter by using the hashtag AskLOHeat. To support the show, make sure you download every episode. Follow Locked on Heat on Twitter. If you're not subscribed already, please do so to get the podcast automatically every day. Then go to iTunes, rate us, review us, say nice things about us. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for joining me, David. You got it, Wes.